Coming up on this edition of the Deseret News Youth Insiders podcast, we talk about the Holiday Bowl. We talk about basketball. We talk about gymnastics. Mike Lagersholt of the University of Utah Athletic Department talks about March Madness coming back to Salt Lake. This and more on the Deseret News Youth Insiders podcast. This is the Utah alum and the ultimate heel of professional wrestling, the MK Bandit. And you are listening to the Deseret News Ute Insiders Podcast with Dirk Facer, Amy Donaldson, and Trent Wood. Welcome to another edition of the Deseret News Ute Insiders Podcast. I'm Dirk Facer along with Mike Sorensen and Trent Wood. Guys, how were the holidays? They were great. Can't complain. Same for me. Good. Although, Trent, we do have to say for the record, you went home to Florida and you got ill for a few days. I mean, I had a wonderful time, and then I got sick because it's that time of year, and that was awful, but I'm all good now. Trent could not lose 20 pounds, but he did lose 20 pounds, and if you could share the secret with us, it probably isn't worth it the way you lost it. I mean, I just didn't eat food for four days, so if you just lay there and don't eat anything. That's out of the question. That's not going to happen. Okay. Well, hey, speaking of holidays, obviously, the Holiday Bowl, Utah, everything was going well for one half. In the third quarter, things got ugly. Mike, what do you think happened? Uh, It started raining too much, and the Utes couldn't (laughs) handle it. Well, that was part of it. I mean, Utah kept – they couldn't hold on to the ball, for crying out loud, you know? I mean, of course, both teams were out there, but Utah, for some reason, they just turned the ball over, what, four times – Turned into four touchdowns, and, and that just that was the whole difference in the game. And then Utah, and after that, I think they just kind of lost their whatever. They just couldn't get back and get in the game, and they just kind of gave up almost, it seemed like. But, you know, it was just a bad quarter. It's been a long time, I think, since I've seen a quarter like that with the Utes. How about you, Mike? Oh, yeah, yeah that's, that was on, you know, I can't remember. And the coach said that. Coach has been doing that for, you know, 30-some-odd years in his career. He's never had a quarter like that. So it's a bit of a fluke in a way, but Utah could have still, with the team they had, recovered, I think, come back and made a game of it, but they just didn't seem to have the fortitude to do it. Trent, do you think a lot of the blame on that was Jason Shelley or is the fact that there are a lot of guys that couldn't keep their hands on the ball and protect it? You know, I think it was a whole team failure. I don't think you can put it on Jason Shelley. He played great in the first half, and yeah, he made some mistakes in the second half, but it was also other guys dropping the ball, people just not being where they were supposed to be. I don't think it was all on him. Mike, do you think uh, Shelley's a viable starting quarterback for next season in case Huntley, for whatever reason, gets hurt again? Can they rely on Jason Shelley? Can he lead them to the Pac-12 championship? I think so. I mean, he showed that he could do it this year at times. I mean, obviously, you don't want him to be your number one guy at this point. You know, Huntley should be number one. And Shelley, though, you know, the fact that he played four or five games did pretty well in most of them. I think he can take over. The, the question is, is who's your third quarterback, you know, because, you know, if, if one guy gets hurt, you got to have another backup behind the, the other guy in case he gets hurt. So, no, I think Shelley, they're, they're in, you know, pretty good shape with him, although, although I think Huntley is would be your, your number one guy. I'd argue that Jason Shelley's first half against Northwestern was the best half of any quarterback this year for Utah. He played incredible in the first half. It just all fell apart in the second. Yep, and as they say, you got to play 60 minutes, right? Um, what about the return of uh, Zach Moss and uh, uh, Lucky Fotu and Julian Blackman and Bradley and I coming back next season? Does that make Utah the, without a doubt, favorite to, to win the South next year, Mike? I think it's huge because, you know, I think all of us, you know, it seemed like it was just a foregone conclusion that Moss wasn't coming back. And then everybody just kept talking like this will be his last game and everything else. And so that was a, a very pleasant surprise to have him back and then to have two of your top defensive linemen coming back. I mean, that would have been a bit of a hold to, to 
to fill for those guys. But, yeah, I, I think that you, if you look at the league, they definitely should be the favorite in the south. I don't know if you can say they're the favorite over Washington and Washington State in the north. You know, there's some good teams up there, but definitely they should be the south favorites going into this next year. Yeah, you know, I've been kind of torn on that because uh, I just can't believe USC will have another year like they had. You know, and they, they get USC-type players there. A lot of talent. Trent, do you see USC as the team to beat, or do you see Utah? In the I South? mean, they still need an offensive coordinator, too. <laughs> There's just left to go become the head coach for the Arizona Cardinals. So, I don't know. Utah seems to be the most experienced team in the South, and you could say probably in the Pac-12, just because Washington and Washington State are losing lots of players from those teams. And so, I mean, USC is always talented. They probably have more talented players in Utah, but I'd say Utah is more experienced and have played together longer. And I'm yeah. not real sold on Clay Helton as a, as a great coach. I mean, you know, he he really hasn't done you know tremendous since he's been there, and so right. even if they have the talent, maybe that's part of the reason they haven't you know succeeded as much as they should have the last couple of years. You know, we talked about the guys Utah has coming back, but let's talk about the guys Utah's losing. You know, losing a Chase Hansen and losing a Cody Barton. You got then you got to get two new safeties back there. You know, on defense, there's four big holes to fill right there. I know, I realize at linebacker, arguably they they can restock, uh, but and then you look at the offensive line, and the offensive line's getting decimated. They're going to find a new center. They lost their left tackle. There's some key losses that Utah has. I think a lot of people are overlooking, and that's kind of why I don't see them as necessarily a clear cut favorite but obviously they do have a little more experience coming back to the USC what do you think Trent about the holes they're leaving I mean I think the offensive line is the most important one Utah seems to reload on defense like you talked about their linebackers it seems like they have guys that can just plug in and you have to believe that their secondary will be okay but the offensive line struggled at times this year and they're losing those guys I think that if you need to be worried about something with Utah it's do they have an offensive line right and they lose three guys you know I mean the right guard left tackle center Pretty, uh, pretty big holes, Mike. I, yeah, I agree totally with Trent because they, uh, to me, that was probably the most disappointing part of the team this year. You know, especially those last couple of games, the running game just looked. I don't know, they just couldn't open holes for the guys, and they just it was just so stagnant in the last couple. You know, obviously they didn't have Moss, but the offensive line with all those seniors and stuff, you'd think they could open holes and make a little bit of running game because that's what killed them in their last two games, the lack of running. So um, hopefully there's a couple of guys that can jump up and fill in those holes for them. They do have a couple of guys that played, like Ford, who he, he played quite a bit, and a couple other guys in the wings, so they might be okay there, but they just need to, to figure that one out for next year for sure. Now, they, there's obviously a big coaching vacancy. They need to find a new <clears> offensive <throat> coordinator. And at the risk of the announcement coming out uh, maybe before this podcast gets posted, uh, let's just jump in. It seems to be four guys that are most prominently mentioned. Uh, there's Jim Harding, who's already on the staff. There's, uh, I've heard um, Anai from Rubber Knife from Virginia is a possibility. Andy Ludwig from Vanderbilt's a possibility. And Steve Sarkeesian, uh, formerly of the Atlanta Falcons uh, and USC and Washington. Do you guys see a good fit in that group of four, or do you think they might go somewhere else? I like Ludwig a lot. You know, he was here 10 years ago. He was here for four years. He had success. And like most coaches, if they're not doing just things perfectly, the fans want him out of there. But I like the guy. He wasn't very media friendly and everything like that. But, you know, the guy's been around. He's played a lot. He's been a lot of different jobs. I don't know if that's good or not, but he has a lot of experience. He's uh, in his mid-50s now, so I think he's a guy that he's from Utah. He played. I, I covered him in prep football back in the early 80s at Bonneville High School. So, you know, if he wants to come back home and, and maybe, you know, if he's stick around and then make this his home for the next several years and retire here, you know, rather than get a Sarkeesian, someone like that, I'm afraid he would uh, jump at the next job in a year or so, go back to the NFL. And then Harding, I, I don't know if he's, I don't know, I wasn't that impressed when he took over two or three years ago. And I think he's probably just better doing the line. So 
My choice would be Ludwig out of those four. We'll See, and I'd argue Harding is probably the safest bet because he can continue the momentum they had from Troy Taylor. And yeah, he wasn't great before, but he now had a chance to be with those players in that system. And I just feel like if their offense was not bad this year, and so if you hire him as the coordinator, you hopefully would be able to keep, keep that momentum going. Yeah, I kind of agree with both of you. Um, Andy Ludwig is a great guy and a uh, local guy, but remember he did leave uh, under some circumstances where he you know just didn't want to be here anymore you know and I realized the fans were on his case a little bit and and all that but he did post some great numbers here it's just whether he can make a you know uh, forgive some of the things that happened here to him before whether he'd want to come back and from what I understand Vanderbilt has a great offense coming back next year uh, Robert and I is an interesting uh, possibility there whether he'd leave Bronco for the chance to come back to Salt Lake I know he's friends with uh Kyle Whittingham, you know, the guy that I'm mostly intrigued with is, is Steve Sarkeesian. I think given the fact that his history in the Pac-12, he knows how to recruit, which is number one, help him in Southern California get people. Um, he worked in the conference. I realize he's had his off-the-field troubles, and those have been well-documented. But, uh, and you know, the chance that, you know, he might just stay for a short term and, and move on is a very distinct possibility. However, um, I think you got to remember, if Utah's as loaded as everybody thinks they are, so what if he stays one or two years? You know, maybe if he can get Just be like every other year at Utah, yeah. right? Well, exactly. Man, change, Revolving yeah. doors. So, you know, it's intriguing to see what will happen there. Do you think, uh, bottom line, guys, if you had to look at all four, are all four kind of a good fit? I mean, could you see all four of those guys, in, not together, of course, but individually uh, making that job uh, a success? It's interesting because Anai's spread offense is different than Utah's ever run. And so I think that would be the biggest adjustment if they were to get Robert Anai's just to spread that he runs is different than what Utah does. Whereas the other ones I would say are more closely, at least how they coach is more similar to how Kyle Whittingham likes his offense run. And you know, Mike, they, Robert Anai, they say he's from the Rich Rod you know, school of learning offenses. And, that, and he's been exposed to other things a little bit. Even that, do you still think those... All four could fit in that role. Yeah, I wonder about Anai. Just, I mean, I know that Utah has a lot of BYU coaches, but he has maybe since he was there so recently that maybe that one may not go over with the fans as well. And I, I know that he he wasn't even popular with the BYU fans when he ran the offense down there. So I don't know if he'd be a good fit. He'd be my probably my last choice of those four. But who would tell Robert Anai? He's a scary man, isn't he? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> not me. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't do it either. Hey, let's uh, just a reminder, folks, that the Salt Lake Stallions are bringing professional football to Rice-Eccles Stadium next month. Season's getting closer. If you want season tickets, call 1-833-AAF-2019 or go to saltlakestallions.com. I understand individual tickets, individual game tickets are also on sale at this time. Uh, let's switch gears to basketball. Utah basketball, Mike, um, 500 mark for the Utes at this time uh, going into the Washington-Washington State games this week. Did things get fixed in Arizona? Do you think that they showed by nearly beating uh, Arizona in Tucson and then, of course, rallying to beat Arizona State? Have they fixed what's broken? Well, you know, you were there, and I, I saw them on TV, and I thought <clears throat> I was very impressed, to tell you the truth, because I've been down on the team most of the year. that There's just something missing. Somehow, though, that down there, they seem to just relax, play, just go out and play and not worry about it. seems to me they were working the ball just too much, and there were two set in their ways, and they kind of just almost looked like an NBA team. But, you know, Bearfield just came down and shot the ball and made shots and moved around, and Tillman did the same, and they're their two best players, and they had two great games. So if those two guys get unleashed, I think it's going to be a pretty good year for them. But up until now, they've just kind of had that stagnant offense that's hurt them, and their defense has never been great this year, so they got to fix that, I think. But uh, if they can score, it's all about putting ball in the hoop because 
Jim Boylan <laughs> used to say, ball didn't go in the hoop, you know, and it's been going in the hoop the last couple of games. And if it continues to go in the hoop, I think they could have a, a good run and be, you know, on the top for sure, you know, get the, one of those top four seeds. And maybe with the, the weakness of the league, they could, you know, maybe you make a good run this year. Yeah, and then, of course, uh, you got Timmy Allen, who's also, as a freshman, has jumped in there. I think you get, what, Tillman and um, Bearfield and, and Allen, the three of them, all shot over 50% on the trip, which is encouraging to not just have one hot hand, although Bearfield's had an extremely hot hand. The other two guys, I mean, you got three guys that are putting the ball in the hoop. Yeah, and, and Allen's been a guy that ever since the first week of practice, you know, Kristoviak's been talking about, you know, what a great all-around player he is. He's, he doesn't do anything great, but he does a lot of good things things good and I think he's kind of suddenly emerging as a, as a uh, solid player as a freshman if he can keep it up too that gives him a good third person to to score and then these other freshmen you know Riley Batten and and uh, Booth Gotch you know they were they were good earlier and they kind of faded away I think when these other guys stepped up but they've shown they can do it so if those guys can can hang in there and, and contribute then they can be pretty solid in right. Pac-12 play. Well, and Gotch, they say he's been slowed by, you know, an ankle sprain, and that's kind of allowed for Bearfield to move off the bench back into the starting lineup on that Arizona trip. It'll remain to be seen, you know, Booth is healthy this week if uh, Bearfield comes off the bench again against Washington, Washington State. Washington is a team that uh, I think they're 10-4, and four, lost a bunch of close games. You can make an argument they might be the best team in the Pac-12. Do you? Uh, is this game Thursday going to say a lot about the Utes? Yeah, I think it's one if Utah can get by. You know, Washington's a team. They play zone for 40 minutes of the game, and Utah's, you know, knows what they're going into there, and they've, they've played against a lot this year. But I think that if Utah's a very favorable schedule, if you look at it. I mean, if they can get by Washington, they should beat Washington State, and then they have a couple of uh, winnable road games against Stanford and Cal, who are picked toward the bottom of the league, and they come back home for three home games after that. I mean, they could, you know, conceivably be eight and one at that point, you know, if they right. just, because they got five home games and a couple of uh, winnable road games. And from there, if they get the confidence going, they got to play, you know, a few tough road games after that, but it could really kind of get them going, you know, towards the rest of the season and get up there in the top three or four in the league. Mike, you have the opportunity to cover both the Utah Jazz and the Utah Utes. They're both kind of similar right now, flirting with that 500 mark uh, halfway through the season. Do you see some similarities, obviously, in just the situations both teams are in right now and how they, there's a need for some guys to step up to get them up to that next level that, uh, like you said, in the, for the Utes to finish high in the Pac-12 so they get a good seed in the tournament, and then for the Jazz, obviously, to hit the playoff. Yeah, I really haven't thought of that, but you're probably right in the fact that I think both teams have underachieved so far this year, and uh, you know, and they haven't necessarily had injuries that much. You know, it hasn't been an excuse, but, they, but despite being 500, they both have favorable schedules coming up where they can make a run. And, you know, the Jazz have several home games coming up. The Utes have several home games coming up. And they both seem to have the talent to do it. So I think that, that both, um, they're not really 500 teams, although they've played that way. They should both, you know, before the season's over, be up toward the top of their uh, respective leagues. All right. Trent, we've kept you all quiet here, but uh, you're the uh, Utah Gymnastics beat writer. How about tell us a little about the Red Rocks? I mean, they just finished their uh, season opener on Friday, and they beat uh, – uh, Penn State handily. It was it was pretty entertaining to watch Michaela Skinner again as as great as ever. But if you'd watch the Penn State gymnasts, they were actually amazed when she was doing her floor routine. And then when they saw her all around score at the end, one of them audibly gasped because she is that good. But I mean, they had a great season opener and they have a meet against BYU this week. Trent, is the 
Supporting cast, good enough that Utah can win a national championship. It's been a while. It has been a while, and they have, they've lacked depth basically for years now. 2015, they finished second in the country, and they had a little bit more depth, but since then they haven't. They have three really good freshmen this year they brought in. They actually brought in four, but one got hurt for the year. One is a two-time junior Olympic champion on uneven bars, and she was great on the meet on Saturday and is ranked top three in the country right now on that. So it seems like this is probably the deepest team that they've had in at least the past three or four years. Injuries are always a factor in every sport, but it seems especially so in gymnastics and Utah been bit by that in recent years. Is this a question of they need to stay healthy to compete for a national championship or when you talk about depth, do they have enough that they could overcome maybe an injury or two? And obviously, if it happened to Skinner, that's a whole different thing. <laughs> that, that would be a horrifying thing for Utah fans. Um, I mean, with gymnastics, there's only so many elite gymnasts on each team, and there's only... 12, 13, 14 gymnasts on a roster. So if you have a, an elite gymnast get hurt, it basically is like taking your best player off your basketball team for the year or knocking out your offensive line for a football team. And so, I mean, it seems as though that they have the depth and they're healthy this year. They had a lot of girls injured last year that are healthy now that went through the offseason and got better. So it seems like they have the depth where, if not a national championship, they'll at least be able to be in the top four by the end of the year. Good deal. Now, I understand that was a fantastic atmosphere there for the opener. Yeah, it's always great. 15,000 fans. I think it was a little less than that for the season opener, but still. And they were loud. Though. They were loud, and they uh, they loved their gymnastics. Well, that's good. Well, speaking of loud and enthusiastic, Mike, uh, Utah women's basketball off to a great start. Um, how good is this team? Are they uh, are they postseason worthy? And, and I'm talking NCAA? You know, I think they are. I, I got to watch them last uh, Sunday when they uh, beat Arizona. They beat them handily. Arizona came in with 11 straight wins. They were 12 and one, and they weren't the the best team in the league. But Utah just they beat it. They're up by 30 points midway through the third quarter, and they just and they end up beating them by 16. But um, they definitely uh, I think this is the best Utah team in a few years. They're 13 and one now, and they've uh, Lynn Roberts has done a great job. And they're actually fun to watch. I mean, I, I saw a lot of women, Lane Elliott's teams, and they were very good, but they were not fun to watch. Right. Their games would be 50 to 39 or something like that. And these you know Utah scores 80 points or more most of the time. But um, the thing with Utah is they just don't have a lot of depth right now. They lost their second leading scorer, Denisha Provo, to an injury uh, ACL in the Arizona State game, so she's out for the year. Uh, Kiana Moore stepped up and did great. I mean, she scored 19 points, five out of six from three-point range uh, in her place. But uh, other than that, I mean, they got Megan Huff, the senior. She's their best player, you know, 19 points, nine rebounds. Uh, Dreyuna Edwards, a freshman, is doing great, 12 a game. And Drew Gilton, another freshman. They got a lot of great freshmen. In fact, they've, they've uh, packed 12 this year. They've had six Freshman of the Year awards already, so oh, that bodes well for the future. Um, but um, the problem with them, with the Utah women, is going to be their. It's a tough league, and there's five teams ranked in the top 25 right now. Um, you know, starting with Oregon and uh, Stanford, Oregon State, Arizona State, and Cal. So Utah has got to. Uh, you know, if you think if, they're, if they lose to those teams twice, there's going to be there's ten losses right there. I mean, right. so that's not going to do anything. They've got to beat those teams in Salt Lake. You figure they're not going to beat them on the road. That would be five losses. But you know, if they can get up over twenty wins um, in, a, in a, a league like this, they have a chance to go to the NCAA's again. Like that uh, Arizona State game, I don't think I've seen a loss like that in a long time. How heartbreaking is that for them to lose a six point lead so late in the game and then? 
to have a basically a bank shot beat them on the oh, buzzer. Oh, that was, wasn't it? They, they, they're up six points with a minute 25, was it? And they had like eight yeah. straight points, including that one at the buzzer, which was just a fluke shot. She just threw it in, you know, just kind of banked it in there from right. about 20 feet. And so, yeah, that was a heartbreaker. And, then, you know, Lynn Roberts was pretty upset after that. But, you know, she said it said a lot about her team, the fact that, you know, 36 hours later, and they also lost their second leading scorer that game. And they came back and just absolutely blitzed Arizona. And they just so you know, she thinks, you know, she just says it's kind of this uh, next man up, or I should say next woman up mentality. They only have eight players, really, that play, and then they, all eight have to play a lot, and three or four of them are freshmen. So uh, I think they, they just have to kind of hang in there and see if they can finish in the league like 11 and 7 or 12 and 6. That would be a great year. I mean, that's but there's a lot of good teams, and they just can't afford to lose to, to, the, to the average teams, and they've got to beat the good teams when they play at the – Huntsman Center. Right. And I think Lynn Roberts at her press conference the other day said that there were three players in the Pac-12 that suffered ACL injuries on Friday right? across yeah. the league. Wow. So, so you know, the Utah isn't the only one to sink that blow. Mike, last thing on the Utah women as far as, uh, is it a pipe dream to think they could win the, the conference championship, given the fact you mentioned there were so many ranked teams? But what what would be realistic? Is it to, to win one game in the Pac-12 tournament? Is that a realistic goal? Yeah, I'd, I'd say, you know, maybe a, to win two would be, a, they, they should win one if they finish in the top half of the league, but to win two would be something. But, you know, Oregon, Stanford, these teams are so good. Um, you know, I think Utah's really got, they're not quite there yet. Maybe in a year or two, they might be up with these teams, but the league is just so strong that I just think if they can say they finish sixth with a, fifth or sixth with a strong, you know, finish that uh, the league, the NCAA will probably take at least that many teams and then they can see how far they can go in the NCAAs. You know, that'd be huge. I remember a few years ago, I was sent to Albuquerque for NCAA Women's Sweet 16, and no one thought the Utes would uh, would get the win. They did, and then uh, should have made the, the Final Four, right? Yeah, in the Elite Eight, yeah. they they had every opportunity to win that as well. So it'll be exciting to get them in the tournament again. It sounds like an upward trajectory, which is uh, good. And I'm sure the Larry Scott would love it if five Pac-12 men's teams were ranked in the top 25. <laughs> in fact, he probably settled for one yeah, these no days. Kidding. All right, it's time for Utah by five segment. Before we get to that, just a reminder that we are sponsored by the Salt Lake Stallions professional football team, Rice Eccles Stadium in February. Get your tickets now at one eight three three aaf 2019 or go to com. A lot of former Utes on that team and... Dennis Erickson, former assistant coach, he's leading the way with the Stallions this year. Our Utah by Five segment this week features Mike Lagasholt. Mike's in charge of the media operations for the NCAA tournament, which is coming to Vivint Arena in March, and we'll play that for you now. I'm Tom Barberi, and it's time for Utah by Five, where we catch up with the people who built the program we love. All right, we're joined on our Utah by Five segment now by Mike Lagersold of Utah Athletics. Mike, you're in charge of the media for March Madness, which is coming to Salt Lake this year. Yeah, it's uh, an event we look forward to hosting every three to four years, and uh, it was our turn once again, and uh, we actually hosted uh, as recently as 2017, so two years is a pretty quick turnaround to get it again. Normally it's it's three to four, but this is the 40th anniversary of the 1979 Final Four with Magic Johnson and Larry Bird that, that took place in the Husband Center. So right. we uh, had a video created and sort of did an emotional appeal to the NCAA saying, hey, we had this big event that really, I think a lot of people feel like that was the Final Four that transformed men's basketball into what it's become today with the TV 
right. viewership and just the popularity of the tournament. And we said, hey, we want to have kind of a celebration opportunity at the 40-year mark. And they said, you know what, we'll, we'll come to your place again uh, on a quick turnaround. So uh, we're happy to have it. It's, it's one of those events where um, you know people who know you're involved in the tournament say, hey, when's it coming again? They right. want to get tickets and, and plan for it because it's one of those events that we've been hosting, like I said, every three or four years since uh, the late 70s with regional rounds, first and second rounds. And it's something our fans have have grown accustomed to having in town. They look forward to it. It's a big event, and, and we're excited to have it once again. Mike, I understand that you actually kind of add that workload to your workload already, and right. a lot of people do in the department. It's kind of a labor of love in a way. I know you get compensated a little bit, but uh, it's mostly a labor of love, isn't it? <laughs> it sure is. And the tournament's changed a lot of ways um, in, in recent years. Uh, Steve Pine is our tournament director, and Steve Smith, who was our assistant, and some other uh, folks from our staff, went to Indianapolis for a seminar this summer. And we noticed a lot of different people that were there from the various cities. And what's happened now is it's not colleges necessarily running the tournament. It's the um, uh, sports commissions and okay. uh, chamber of commerce and so forth that um, see the value from having events come to town with hotel nights and so forth. So the universities make the bid and they have a few people that run it, but now it's become more of a, a sports commission driven event in a lot of places. So uh, there's a lot more turnover with the host staff. There's not a lot of people from the, the universities and conference offices involved that there used to be. So Utah is unique in the sense that it's very much a University of Utah hosted and driven event. We have some help from uh, the Larry H. Miller group with you know using their venue and uh, the Convention Visitors Bureau in Salt Lake has been a tremendous help with hotels and some other things. But really, the University of Utah staff runs this event. So there's a group of about a dozen of us that are heavily involved uh, about a year out from planning and doing uh, you know year-out site visits. And uh, if we're having a meeting today at uh, Vivid Smart Home Arena to kind of go over some things. And so it's really a, a long process. I don't think people realize, you know, when you host the games in March, they probably think, well, you probably had a busy week getting ready for this. Right. And yes, we've had, but we've had a busy year. Right. Really to plan and then go to some meetings and, and really do it the right way. So uh, it's it's an intense uh, process. It is a labor of love that's done on top of our normal jobs. But um, when you get to host this event every every so often and, and the games are, are always huge and it's something our fans love and, and look forward to, it's really something that we enjoy doing tremendously. Is it um, <clears throat> surprising it's been 40 years yeah. since Magic and Bird played? I mean, it kind of ages those of us who remember <laughs> those guys. You know, one of my first memories of watching sports was watching that 79 Final Four. And at that point, I was eight years old and just started to figure out teams and sports and what was going on. And I remember watching the semifinals on Saturday, and my dad's like, you know, this is kind of a big deal because these two players, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, um, and I understood a little bit of the backstory, and I watched a championship game on Monday. And I remember still vividly the ceiling structure in the Huntsman Center, how it was just so unique, and just right. the, the pictures they showed of downtown, you know, to and from commercials and and just some things of Salt Lake that just stuck with me for years and years. And while I was looking for a job, I, I remembered, you know, Utah hosts tournament games on a regular basis. And when I was yeah. trying to find a place to go, that was one thing that sort of made me think, you know, maybe I need to really look at this Utah thing pretty seriously. It might be a chance to work instead of late games on a regular right. basis. And I grew up watching a tournament and loved it from, you know, that point on in 79 through my teenage years in college and so forth. And that was a draw when I came here. So it's just amazing how, you know, like you say, it's, it's 40 years of for me as a nine-year-old to be watching uh, you know those games at the the final four in '79, and, and to end up out here and still just remember vividly watching those games. I'm sure a lot of people have similar memories from 
games that have taken place here. I mean, you think about Gonzaga, Arizona back here in the early 2000s. We've had Duke out here, Kentucky. Um, you know, you can go on down the line of, of people who really know the history of the NCAA tournament, and they'll say, oh yeah, this game took place in Salt Lake City, and it's pretty cool just the, the big games we've had in this city, and, and we're not in a Utah venue anymore, the Huntsman Center, we're downtown just because of, you know, we didn't really have enough locker room space to meet the specifications that they want for the tournament now, but still to be able to go to Vivint and host games in this community, it's it's really a cool deal. Cool. Hey, Mike, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. All right, we're back. Uh, Sorny, you've been around for a long time covering college basketball. Long time. Yeah. A long, long time. Yep. The NCAA tournament's a big deal. It's kind of, a, it's like Mike said in the interview, it's a tradition here in Utah to have the tournament. And the fact is, this time we only had to wait two years to get it back. Yeah, I, I remember going to them when I was in, in high school, way, way back a long time ago. And I, my, actually, my very first year on the Deseret News was the year they were in the, they, we had the Final Four here with, with Larry Bird and Magic Johnson in 1979. That shows you how old I am. But uh, since then, we must have had at least uh, a half a dozen, I guess I've lost track, maybe 10 tournaments since then. They used to have them every other year for a while. And it's always fun. And I think that, you know, Salt Lake has had almost as many. I think Kansas City is the only place that's had more. Right. Um, I think the Huntsman Center is the number two venue yeah. of all time. And it's probably going to stay that way. Cause... It, it will. And as far as the city, Salt Lake's up there. Maybe New York has more. But still, um, yeah, it's, it's a great tradition. And it's one that uh, fans should take advantage of because it's fun to see these teams come in you know from all over the country we've seen you know a lot of great teams come in in recent years a lot of great players so it's gonna be fun to have them well it's interesting I was talking to lags you know we talked about that final four with Larry Bird and Magic Johnson I can't believe it's been 40 years and then lags reminded me that he was eight or nine years old when they were here uh does it seem like 40 years, Mike? Not not for us old guys. I mean, it seemed like, you know, but I remember that very well. And uh, it, was a, it was a fun time, Def- no doubt about it. Well, guys, as we wrap up the show, anything uh, to look forward to this week? Obviously, uh, we'll find out a lot about the running Utes, seeing how they do against the Washington schools, particularly the Huskies. They should beat the Cougars pretty handily, but uh, nothing's a given this uh, time of year, is it, Mike? Yeah, it would be a great week if both the Utah men and women's basketball teams, if they could sweep these Washington schools, it would just uh, give them momentum for the next couple weeks after that because I think both are, are going to have a good second half of, you know, of the league season. Trent, what are you looking forward to? Are you looking forward to Utah hiring an OC or something with gymnastics? or what That'll be fun. And then on Friday is BYU-Utah in gymnastics, which is always fun, always a good rivalry. Although that- BYU's never won, have they? Uh, I think they've won maybe two in the history Back of the, in the uh, last century. Yeah. yeah. Now this one's in Provo. Or? This one's in Provo at the Marriott Center. So think of all the mileage you're going to get. Uh, that's going to be great. Just what are you going to do with all that money, huh? I don't even know. Save it for next Christmas, right? Guys, we appreciate you listening. Just a reminder one last time that this podcast is sponsored by the Salt Lake Stallions. Uh, professional football. Call one eight three three AAF twenty nineteen or go to saltlakestallions.com and get your tickets. Uh, Trevor Riley, uh, Matt Asiata, Drez Anderson. There's a lot of former Utes on this team, and Dennis Erickson's the head coach. So get out and support them, and we appreciate their support of this podcast. Just a reminder, you can get this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever else you can download a podcast. We also encourage you to go to DeseretNews.com if that's the best way for you to get it. While you're there, read the stories that these fine men have put together. Appreciate it. That's about all we have for this time. We'll talk to you next time.